What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the host of the People's Party. I know you've been enjoying it so far. We thank you for your love and support. We got more People's Party coming up. We got all types of situations that you're going to want to tune into and never forget to watch. Talib Kweli, Jasmine Lee, it is the People's Party. Let's go. What's up, party people? It's the People's Party. My name is Talib Kweli. Welcome to another fantastic edition. I am your host. Give it up for my lovely and talented co-host, Jasmine Lee. <laughs> What's up, guys? Jasmine, how you feeling? You know what? As always, I'm just swell, baby. Okay, well, today is very, 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 very interesting because once again, we have a comedian. I know, I'm so excited. We love the comedians around here, right? Um, this guy right here is a friend of mine. Very, very, very important to comedy culture. Mm -hmm. He is a director, he's a writer, he's a producer, he's a podcaster, he is a stand-up comedian. And on top of all that, he co-created maybe, actually not maybe, definitely the most important comedy TV show of the century. Oh, for sure. Everybody welcome to the People's Party, Neil Brennan. Yeah! Hey guys, you should have kept clapping. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, sorry. China doesn't. The privilege, the privilege. I'm loving your skinny jeans. Thank you. They're um, uh, they are Rick Owens. Shout out to Rick Owens. Shout out to Rick Owens. I wear skinny I, jeans. I wear Rick Owens shit, and you never compliment my Rick Owens gear. You know why? Because my next thing was going to be like, those look like I can fit them. Do you want to <laughs> pass them over? And I can't fit your jeans, but next time I'll have your okay. compliment. Uh, yeah, they were, I don't, do you buy expensive shit? Clothing? Yes, I do. He's a I don't. Come on. Mm -hmm. And I was with Dave mm -hmm. and, uh, and Yasin in London, and... And That's I, why you got the Rick and Owens. I got, but I and but they cost. They, I paid for them. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I paid for. Them. It, I was like, ah, I just felt like peer pressure. Yeah, Yasin like, is a big fan of Rick Owens. He sure is. And you know what's crazy about that? My first time overseas, Yasin wrote a song about it called "Mr. Nigga." Uh -huh. And it's a song. Have you heard the song? No. It's a song about us getting arrested and having our stomachs searched by X-ray because they thought we had drugs in our stomach. Yeah. This is my first international experience in my life. Yeah. Right. And we do this European tour, and Yasin at this point had done uh, a couple of TV shows, and he was making Cosby more. Mysteries. Yeah, Cosby Mysteries. Worked closely with Bill Cosby. Oh, that's right, absolutely. Um, Spent a lot of time together, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let him speak on that. No, 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 I'll get him here. Um, <laughs> but I was doing shows with Yasin, and um, every day we were in London, he was buying Bally shoes because that's what Slick Rick wore. Yeah. Slick Rick is oh, his rap Slick hero. Rick. Sure. Right? And so. I spent all of my show money on ballets. Yeah. I came home with nothing to show besides three pairs of ballets. That was something to show. Yeah, I guess I never ever wore not one pair of them shoes ever. I couldn't tell you where they are right now. I was just trying to keep up with the bays. How much did you make? How much were you guys making per? I think I was. I I don't remember how much each show I was. I remember I had about twenty five hundred dollars for myself. To show for it, this and was like you, were you excited to have twenty five hundred dollars? I had never excited earned. to have it from rapping. 
I had never earned that amount. I'd never seen that amount of money. Is that when you first, like, London and Europe was the first yeah. time they Jared was money? there. It was Jared. You was there. Jared's Y'all seen cursed him out in London about the hotel. Yeah, you're not happy. No, I was fine with it. I had never. Of course. I, it was your was first like, time. I do movies. I don't stay in places like this. <laughs> <laughs> this is rap shit. Yeah. He's like, this is rap shit. Yeah. They must treat rappers like they treat comedians when it comes to getting hotel rooms because it's crappy. Yeah, we have a lot of similarities Crapola. between us. Um, I've stopped staying at bad places. Yeah, you have to. Where you rest your head is very important when you're on, your, on the road. People and don't you also, that. you don't want it to feel like punishment. Like, mm -hmm. like you don't want it to feel like a cell. Mm -hmm. Like a, and then you just do a show and then like go back and sit in a. And the worst part is hearing the people in the next room. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the saddest. But were they having good sex or bad sex? I wi I wish it was sex. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not going to say any more. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, but I don't, I also, do you travel everywhere? I try to just go places I like, I want to go. I go everywhere. Yeah. I'm the traveling man. I'm like Kane in Kung Fu. And That's you me. don't, do you even remember where you are? Have to, I mean. Um, my memory is actually getting better. Interesting. Do yeah, you, because Do you I smoke think, weed? Yes, I do. Great. Um, I think that what it is is that I was ripping and running through the, my 20s and 30s. And then my 40s, it's like, I appreciate things more. Yeah. Before I was like, I see pictures of myself. I'm like, who's that guy? I do you like? I was being... there. I was hanging out with Jeremy Renner at like a like a eyes wide shut party. When did that happen? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm with you. Where someone will go, we met before, and they yeah. tell you, and you're like, I have no recollection of that. Yeah. And you're, I should remember meeting you, person. Yeah. And they're like, we met, and I'm like, I've no, I don't like. That's why I don't like being too busy. Right. Because I can't remember anything. Like I don't like running around, and then and then I'm over here, and then I got to do get to an opening, and it's right. not fun. Right. Now, I've definitely slowed down lately. This how you can tell. I'm sitting down in a chair talking now. I do a lot more of this. Are you like a, I don't, I don't associate you with, not like with not working, but you don't seem no, like. No, he's working. I know you're working, but I don't associate you with like, I got to go here, then I got to go here and like grab a bag, like a mirror, you know what I mean? Like, I am like that. I, are you? I, but I've learned how not to be like that more recently. But yeah. certainly when we met back in the day, yeah. like I was definitely that guy. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have really enjoyed uh, the three mics. Thank you, sir. Oh, me too. Um, not just as a special, but just the concept of it. Thank you. Um, it's a brilliant, bold piece of work. Thank you. One of my favorite things you said in it is that uh, white people need to hang out with black people more mm -hmm. and that your white friends will sometimes you're, like, ask you questions about hanging out yes. with your black friends. And I, 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 people think I'm lying. Like, mm -hmm. they, re they ask me, how mm -hmm. do you have black friends? <laughs> wow. It, white people really want, I told someone the other day, you know how there's like, they'll find like an Amazonian tribe that's been like isolated? Mm -hmm. White people are that, <laughs> but in America. Right, right. Like they just don't, they know, they have no outside influences beyond, and they don't, they want to be friends with people of color and they don't know how to start. Right. And I don't know what to tell them. Because um, what do you. Sometimes a little over eager. Of course, and then you then it's like you smell a rat. If they feel like they're an undercover cop, it's like no, nah, I'm good. Uh, like how do you? It's impossible to develop a natural friendship with somebody uh, unless you're unless you have proximity. Mm -hmm. And that's the great thing about comedy or any of this stuff is like we're all in the same. Right. We're all in the same like you know room or right. cell or whatever you want to call it. Like we're all just in the same space. So you you know mm -hmm. that's how you make friendships. Not. Okay. Not through, you know, trying. Mm -hmm.
Like right. I'm gonna make you can't it's make more a, organic like, than that. Yeah, you don't pick a race. Right. And they go like, I want that kind of friend. Like it right. can't be. Some people don't, but that's very disingenuous. They like, don't. They don't want to have a friend, or they don't. No, some people are like, you know, I'm an Asian woman. You know. Oh I mean? yeah. I I only date. I don't date. I only date this place. I guess people do that around dating. Yeah. Um, as a uh, as a token white guy and your friends, and as you're talking about, you don't want to pick a race. Yeah. But uh, are there any things that your black friends ask you as like the guru of, of white people friends? Because I'm always the token black girl. So. It is that is interesting. Well, the the difference between being the being a white minority and a black minority is that black people have a lot of access to the white world, mm-hmm. whereas White people have no access. We're immersed to, in it. Yeah, you're 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 soaking in it. Mm-hmm. Right, literally. Drowning. Yeah, uh, yeah. In some cases, yeah. drowning in it. Um, so, the I do. I'm trying to think of a good, like a thing that people don't. No, there's real. They, you're. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. White people are everywhere. <laughs> so there's no there's no novelty to it, and there's no there's mm-hmm. definitely no mystery to it. Right. In a in a that, that can go both ways. Like. Right. In terms of, I always feel like if you go to school with white people, you're like better. It just demystifies white people mm-hmm. in a way that can help you long term. Right. I went to school with white people. Oh. Were you rapping then or no? I was rapping. I was totally, I was rapping all through high school. Great. Um, I'm not going to ask you to rap. I know you said your white friends I don't, say white that. People, I don't like, I don't even, <laughs> I really only like degenerates rapping of any color. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I don't like when white people rap. I don't like that. <laughs> it just makes me uncomfortable. So few are good at it. And, okay, there's a select few. And, and all of their names start, start with, with e. an E. <laughs> That's something we've learned. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. I would put the Lonely Island in that group, actually. Okay. That's fine. That's that's black way of saying no, no. <laughs> okay. We should get that's, black for, that's black for no. <laughs> White people, if you're watching. Um, so, Neil, you wrote for, and what's the name of the MTV show that you wrote for back in the day? Singled Out. Singled Out, right. Probably. And you wrote... For all that. Wrote for all that, of and course. And you co-wrote yes. Half-Baked. Co-wrote Half-Baked with Dave Chappelle, yeah. And so my friend MJ over there, she was like, I did not even know I was a fan of this guy. Is that happened to you often where people are very familiar with things that you've worked on but just didn't know they were your fan? Yeah, but I, I, I kind of won't shut the fuck up about it. Mm. So <laughs> I am, I do like kind of get the, I just, those credits are so funny to me, mm-hmm. like singled out and right. all that. All uh, that all holds that. A, a place. I'm a little too old for all that. I didn't. I I was not. I was 20 when I when okay. I wrote there. So like, I think Keenan was like 16. Listen. Uh, and I wasn't good at it, mm-hmm. but I did last a whole season, mm-hmm. the second season. But uh, I was not good. But now it's funny that it they it kind of lasted or whatever. Like they brought it back and it struck a chord with a certain audience. That's yeah. Now growing and, up. And, yes, and, and Keenan and Keenan. I wrote all a Keenan and Kel episode. I've never seen an episode of this show. I don't know. You need to go into YouTube or something because, like, all that was one of the reasons I do wanted I to be an actor. Oh, my. Like, no. You, you said, <laughs> yeah, you do. You, how do, do you, I? How do you, how'd you uh, ask me, all ask that? me again. Do I? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least season six, um, season two. Okay. Uh, you no, know, I barely got anything on. But uh, this is—it got so bad at one point. Uh, the exec producer said I should have fired you when I had a chance. <laughs> How did the writers' room and um, all that go? Like, was it? It was uh, me and three older—not older. They were older than me, but like just three dudes. Now, um, how did you meet Dave? Uh, I met him because I went to NYU. Oh, so we're both out. NYU guys. Yeah, dropped out after I went a full year. Um, 
and then uh, I started working at a comedy club while I was just, that was like 91, 92. Mm -hmm. And I started working at a comedy club, working the door. My brother's a comedian. So I was hanging out at the club, and Dave was the only other guy who was my age. Mm. And he had moved from DC. But he was like, he was like very advanced. Yeah. It wasn't like for his age. Like, he has, he did a joke in high school that was like, is like a great joke. Right. Um, so it's not one of those things where like, you know, Nick Cannon did stand up. You know, it's not mm -hmm. one of those like, so-and-so did stand up when they were a kid. Like, it's good. Uh, so he and I became friends and, and we, we were like um, fairly kindred. We, not fairly kindred, super kindred, taste-wise. <laughs> and uh, just, we, you know, we just like comedy and mm -hmm. walking around and talking shit. Mm -hmm. Knowing you guys, I can see where the similarities in, in humor yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to say because I'm in it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Like, I, it's it's where people can see shit about you and most that you're right. like, oh yeah, you wouldn't know it, but of right. course. I met I met Dave because we were, um, <clears throat> I think early in my when I was working at Inkiru Books, I dated a girl that broke up with me to go out with Dave. Oh damn! <laughs> but, like she was she was with him before, and then they had a breakup, and then she got with me. What was her name? Did we say her name? Nah, say her name. I don't want to say her name. She knows. This. She knows. She's watching okay. right now. Um, but does her husband know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, she. Um, I, I met Dave in that situation, and I was like, when I first met him, I was like, she was like, Dave Chappelle. I was like, the nigga from the piano? Yeah. Like, the, you know, Reggie? That even yeah. professor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not him. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then I, De La Soul had a show in, uh, at Antioch College. Which is near Yellow yeah, Springs. Yeah, yeah, near his house, yeah. And uh, I was out there with Corey Smith and De La Soul. And I told him, I was like, yo, you and me, you know, I know this girl. And he was like, oh, you know her? I know her too. Oh. And then two years later. And they both later, kept saying, like, I know her. I know her really <laughs> yeah, well. But do you How know well her? do you know her? <laughs> the same. Girl. Right. But then, like, two years later, I'm, me and High Tech are working on the Reflection Eternal album. Right. In Electric Lady. Yeah. And I will see Dave and Elaine walking down the street. Yeah. And, um, that they were dating at the time. Yep. And I invited him to the, to the studio and he, he came every day. Mm. Yeah. You know, he came every day. And, and sort of that, that was a big deal in my life. But by that time, Half Baked had dropped. Were you impressed with, like, were you like, wow, Dave Chappelle? Not I obviously was a, I like was a the... Half Baked stan. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I mean, me and my friends would literally watch Half Baked so every funny. day. Yeah. And I didn't understand. By the way, we were all, we were 23 when we It was our it. experience. So it was, yeah, it wasn't like. Yeah, the bodega shit. We were like shit. the old people. Yeah. Like we were all the same age. That That's what Dave would say when he came to Electric yeah. Lady. He said, the engineer is 22 years old. High tech is 21 years old. You're 23 years old. Yeah. Every, the roots, everyone is under 25. And yeah. we're all, he's like, you guys are the only guys I know that are my age that are traveling the world and doing fly shit. Yeah, that was, that was, that, it was similar, except we were both 18. Right. At that point. Right. Um, Half-Baked, uh, you're actually you're in the movie too. In yeah. like a very memeable scene. I, it is. It has been highly memeable. Yeah. The fuck when you, Guillermo said fuck, fuck you, fuck you. and Beyonce, it's on Beyonce's album. She oh, like okay. yeah, basically, right. and I kind of a part of me wants publishing. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but it's like why they get publishing. Uh -huh. You guys, we use a snippet of your song on a mm -hmm. clip, and we you get money. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, you well, take someone gets money. Tens. <laughs> I might not get money, but someone oh, I thought does. it was going directly to you. Um, the and but you you know mm -hmm. but Beyonce does a whole hunk of dialogue. Mm -hmm. 
and did they I get did nothing. they actually sample the movie or they recreate? No, she basically said it. Said it. Like, but it's oh. clear what she's doing. Cool. I mean, yeah. it's become part of the of the culture that phrase. Well, that's a funny thing. Like, and I'm, you have some word like you remember thinking of it. Mm -hmm. things that are like a popular thing and like I remember where I was when I thought of that mm -hmm. and then you people say it and you can't even explain it because it's not it's it's like more human than you'd think it's not like right. that sir that thing you just said mm -hmm. why that was me like <laughs> right. there's nothing you just go all right um right. okay cool thanks so you in the three mics yeah mentioned that the one-liners, and yes. just so the audience knows if you haven't seen it, it's one mic for one-liners. Three mics, it's on Netflix. Yeah. If you don't know Very what Netflix good. is, it's a streaming service. Yes. It's um, <laughs> so all the rage with the kids these yeah, days. Yeah, all the kids are doing. Um, and yeah, so it came out like two years ago, and uh, I did it in New York for, for a couple months, then, I, mm -hmm. then, I had, then we recorded it for them. But break down the concept. Three microphones, mm -hmm. uh, one for like regular stand-up, one for one-liners, and then one for emotional confession. Therapy. For Nanette. The, yeah, like yeah, for <laughs> Nanette. And then there's a Nanette mic, um, and then there's one just for rape. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that was the. It, that was the concept, but it was one of those things where, like, I didn't know how it would work. I was like, is this going to work? Right. Or is this going to be like Clamato, where it's just like, why did you put those <laughs> things together? Right, right. Um, but I did it, like, on Comedy Central on a show called The Meltdown, and uh, it, like, I was like, ah, oh, this is something. Because yeah. there's, like, it's kind of like the moth. There are mm -hmm. storytelling shows now, mm -hmm. so you can kind of mix it up. Yeah. And then also, like, comedians, like, you all, like, comedians uh, struggle with, like, do I want to be a one-liner com comic? Do I want to be a storyteller? Yeah. And then, like, I'm a regular person. So it just really took all of those concepts and, like, different parts of yourselves and really, like, invited us in. I it was it. also just, like, a way to use material. Mm -hmm. Like, as much as it's, like, it was pure Genius. Talib. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I was no, inspired. It was like, I, uh, no, it was, like, I had... Stand up, I had a bunch of one-liners from Twitter that I was doing nothing with. Right. And then I had a bunch of shit that I was like, I feel like that would be a good mothy type thing. So you just put them together. So for com for comedy, yeah, Twitter has not been kind to comedians. From yeah. I mean, it, it has and it hasn't. It's mm -hmm. it's what what I hear is that, you know, you have you have the people who like Louie before his bigger situation happened. yeah he got into trouble on twitter and he actually deleted his twitter account because he was trying he was do doing like a lot of comedians do doing one-liners yeah trying them out and then people were like what the fuck yeah that happened to amy it happened yeah. famously to kevin yeah you know it just keeps happening where comedians are like i'm just trying shit out well as Chappelle says why would anyone tweet and mm -hmm. when he said it i was like i guess i guess that is true <laughs> right. why would you why would you do that because now you're just it's incriminating. T you're testifying mm -hmm. against yourself. Mm -hmm. It's all admissible, and you're doing it for attention or mm -hmm. likes or endorphins or whatever. And if you're Dave, it's like he has plenty of fame already, so it's not he's not going to get better known. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't. I personally haven't really gotten in trouble. Um, mm -hmm. And and the people that it's all they're all kind of grazing shots. It's it's stressful for probably three hours and then you just oh, it'll be all right mm -hmm. um the big i mean the the when they do when they get mad at you for material or they get mad at you for trying a joke out or whatever that's a bit that i think is a, 
actual problem. Right. Uh, and I'm doing a thing now, a, a documentary about, if you can believe it, about comedy. Thank God. Somebody's finally doing a documentary about comedy. <laughs> um, no, but it's like, it's about the, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. About all, like, comedy in the age of cancellation. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's not about... Cosby or Louis or people that actually like did things did sexual mm -hmm. uh, crimes mm -hmm. uh, it's more about what is the what does it does it make a difference meaning and my one of my arguments is like well if Richard Pryor did brain surgery on white America and all that stuff then the opposite's true mm -hmm. then you can have a you can have a negative effect also I, 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 and, and by the same token, I kind of think it's bullshit. Like, I kind of think it's like nothing, it's, we're just talking. But I'm assuming, but then blackface. Mm -hmm. There are people who thought blackface was, was cool. hilarious. And at a certain point, I'm sure uh, some decent white people and black people were like, enough, mm -hmm. enough with the blackface. And it was like, some fucking snowflakes and all right, that shit. Right, 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 right. But, you know, there yeah. are limits. I'm sure there were legitimately good anti-Semitic jokes in 1938. Yeah, mm. but come to 2019. And then also, like, we were talking upstairs, because, like, you don't have to be racist to be funny, and you can say it racially... Sure helps, Go ahead. It, you can say <laughs> racially sensitive jokes that, you know, are funny. And then a lot of times with the people that are getting canceled, they're not even getting canceled for their jokes. They're getting canceled for their regular-ass conversation that they're having on Twitter. And they're trying to say, oh, comedians can't say anything. And it's like, no, that was your, con you really felt that way tweeting. But, but does a, is, is a comedian on Twitter, and you can, y'all both comedians on Twitter, right? Is a comedian on Twitter ever not a comedian? Or yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I think that if you're uh, broadcasting yourself in any way, you're on, you're on the hook. Mm -hmm. That's my feeling. It's like, no, you're on the, you, like they were, they, the kid that got fired from SNL. Saturday Night Live, it's yeah. like, yeah, he wasn't not being, that's, he was doing a podcast. Right, it but just so happened no one was listening, but if a million people were listening, he wouldn't have changed it. He still would have done but it. But here's mm -hmm. the thing that I think is different from what she was saying is that he wasn't, I think his defense, and I'm not defending him because mm -hmm. I think he should have been fired. I think oh, they, yeah. I think SNL, they should have did a should, better vetting. Yeah, they, I, the you know, and I, I think they tried to, from what I saw, they tried to own up to that. Mm -hmm. um, they, they were like, you know, we we were trying to they hire a conservative comedian, mm -hmm. and we fucked up. Um, that guy was doing bits. He was doing things that, in his mind, he thought was funny. Yeah, and you people, know? but he was but, trying to be a comedian. Yeah, he wasn't just, oh, this is just me talking to my friends. But, he was trying to. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, hey, can we have a serious talk about the way Chinese people talk? Right. It was, they were making He was trying to make, he was trying to do jokes. Yeah. And then not only that, like, he, like, he, was, he had been kicked out of other New York clubs and stuff like that because of his racist, racist mm -hmm. uh, stand-up and everything. So I don't even understand why he would feel, why he would be, people would be confused. And there were so many comics and, you know, older mm -hmm. white guys, whatever, like, oh, we have your back. And it's like. This is NBC, like a show that everyone wants to watch and everyone needs to be feel, feel comfortable a very, watching. A very, you to be fair, very liberal leftist show. Yeah, but like and you don't want to watch somebody that's going to be tackling political issues or sensitive issues if they're a freaking racist. They would. He. No one would have written with him. That's the bigger right. problem. Is he would have gone and then right. He would. You know been the culture of SNL. Yeah. Yeah. The writers. Stuff. Yeah. Um, it, here's a question for you, and this might be my left leaning yeah. side. Yep. Are there funny conservative comedians? 
there are here's here's my feeling with funny conservative comedians. There, there's a like for instance the one that pops into mind. Dennis Miller's obviously. I mean, Dennis yeah, he's an SNL sort of, vet. Right. I, he, I feel like he was funnier on SNL. Than yeah, he was, he was funnier when he was a, yeah. he, when he was liberal. Right. Or whatever he was in the eighties. Right. Um, there's liberal a guy named Jason. Nick DiPaolo who's a New York comic. Say that name again. Nick DiPaolo, mm -hmm. and he has a special on YouTube. I've known him since I was 16, 17. He's like a real Boston angry white dude, right? Mm -hmm. And I watched his, his YouTube special, and I laughed a bunch of times. Right. I Not agreeing with his politics. No. But There's that the Aristotle quote, like, uh, the sign of an intelligent man mm -hmm. can, can entertain an idea without, mm -hmm. without uh, being overcome by it or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure conservative comedians who are funny exist. It's like I just don't know. I've never seen. You that. have to take on the logic of if you think Hillary Clinton is a goblin, mm -hmm. <laughs> then yes, that joke is funny. Right. I don't think she's a goblin right. or whatever they that think of her. That was still funny though. Yeah. Either no, way. No. I don't think she's a goblin either. Yeah, but, but like <laughs> if you think, but I understand mm -hmm. that if I can get into the logic of the joke, if the joke is still a, an effective joke, right. Even if I don't agree with you. Now you uh, write for the Daily Show now with Trevor Noah. I yeah, I just go every couple months and do it. Okay. Do it. You help out. I just do. I do a chat. I do what they call a chat. Oh, okay. Like a yeah. Back okay. And forth. So this is a question I have for you. When I, I was reading something where you talked about you were doing an interview, and you talked about this idea that the John Olivers of the world and Sam B's and people like that who do this brilliant searing political comedy that, to be fair in this conversation, I'm a huge fan of that type of comedy yeah. and those people. Yep. I, 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 I wake up in the morning and start my morning sometimes yep. by watching old John Oliver stuff because yeah. um, he's so thorough. Yeah. Um, but you said that doing jokes about it uh, maybe, and I'm paraphrasing you, yeah. might may, may make you feel good, but does it really move the needle and is it actual work? Should we yet be out there doing voter registration, marching, protesting? Yeah, I, I stand by that. It's like, uh, Donald Trump just got elected. There's mm -hmm. 13 late night liberal shows. Right. John Stewart pointed Preacher out. Preacher to the choir. When he when John when John Stewart retired, he said, "Fox is bigger than it was when I started." Right. It's like it doesn't it doesn't work. Right. It's satisfying and it's it's uh, it makes you feel good. The thing all liberals want, which is to feel good Warm and, and bad for yourself at the same time. <laughs> Um, uh, Sadomasochist. Yeah, and and so it's it's fun, but I don't think we're anyone's being persuaded. I don't. Right. You know what I mean? I could be wrong, but I don't think. I think it's a really small margin of people that get persuaded by by uh, a, a TV show. Mm -hmm. They're uh, already in that camp. Yeah, you're in the yeah, camp. I don't think they're interested. I, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'm guilty of that. I watch, case, I watch John Oliver and Sam B because. They appeal to what, like uh, John Your Oliver. sensibility. Yeah, they John have the Oliver, same moral compass and the same that's right. sort of. They say the same things as Rachel Maddow, right? I don't watch Rachel Maddow that often. Yeah. I agree with her on damn near everything. Yeah. But I get a, a, a huge amount of joy watching John and Sam B because I'm laughing and I'm like, oh, they're so smart. Yeah. And they, they put all the pieces together yep. and they're saying what I want to say. Rachel Maddow, I, I, when I watch that, I just feel like, uh, she's biased. Mm. And uh, she's as biased as I am. I'm not judging her for it. Yeah. You know, she has the same biases that I have. Yeah. You know, but I but I, I watch her more judgmentally. Like, uh, she could have made that argument better. Yeah. You know, or or like, is this news? Right. 
Are you are you are you just like happy that you know what does this really mean? This stage of the impeachment process. Like, yes. Is this really a thing that you you were this excited about some year? Well, ago? that's what I said the other day when they were the new impeachment. Mm -hmm. in, yeah, uh, like it's really happening now. Yeah. And, are you and sure? They're talking, they and I go, they just talked for a year and a half, and they were wrong about everything. Right. Mm -hmm. So why anyone would again? But again, I still watch it. I watched it then. I'll watch it now. But but I don't know. And this speaks to the thing we talked about earlier about how effective is any of it. How right. effective is is uh, a song? How mm -hmm. effective is a joke? How Especially in this I era where this podcast is worth more to a lot of people than any song I can make. But Look, man, I don't know. Are you trying to get? Are you are you about to get killed? What's happening? No, no, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that it, with with streaming music. People have been trained to not spend money on music. Right. So people will just like, I'll put out a new album and it'll be fantastic. And my diehard fans will support it and I can go on the road and 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 perform it. Yeah. But I don't get the visceral reaction that I get from when I sit down and do these podcasts. Yeah. People are like, Wally, you're so good at talking. I'm like, I'm well, that real the, good too. That's what the yeah, I know, but that's mm -hmm. the the what I like about podcasts is like we're all we're good at talking. Yeah. So I'm happy to do it and I'm happy. It's also a good opportunity to see people you haven't yeah, seen in a while. Absolutely. It is a weird catch up and it get like, hey, make money, whatever. Get some makeup. <laughs> you know, some do play a browser looking beautiful yeah, you know, baby. Uh, uh, so that is uh, yeah, I don't know what the what the what's more effective. I don't think I don't know if podcasts are changing people either. Mm -hmm. Um, right. I think they all are pretty effective and it's like you can um, you but can But what do you think they're effective at? I think that when it comes to a podcast or a song and depending on like streaming sites, you can just stumble upon a podcast, a podcast that you probably wouldn't have listened to or anyway, and then you can get more information. Same thing with music, because like most people are on Pandora or Spotify, it's like not an exact playlist. So a song can slide in there, and you're like, oh, what's this about? Oh, no, but oh, I'm talking, we're about? talking about changing the world. Yeah, and that's it. how, you, exactly. So you hear the song, and then you want to do change, because sometimes people don't change because they don't know what's going on. I wouldn't, I've never heard a song where I was like, I mean, since I was, maybe hip hop, early 80s hip hop, I was mm -hmm. like, wait a minute. These black people seem to be in trouble. <laughs> I should maybe like reach out and like. I guess you're saying you had to already be there first. Yeah, like it seemed like it was the ground was laid, and then and then once I, some stimulus was like, all right, that'll lead to action. But I feel like I was predisposed. I don't know how many people are. I the thing I was gonna say is the smugness of Rachel Maddow. All of the people, all mm -hmm. my friends, people I write with, whatever, the the certitude, the smugness, the um, superiority, may convert people the other way, because I honestly believe that a lot of Trump's appeal is just anti-elitism. But isn't I, I agree that a lot of Trump's appeal is anti-elitism, but I also think that that sometimes people can hide behind that because the same oh, the same point absolutely right the same point that you were just making to her. Which, which I agree with, I feel like works both ways. Because if you're someone who watches Rachel Maddow and thinks, mm, I need to maybe vote for the GOP, you were already in that camp. You can't really- Oh, you're looking for an excuse. You can't really blame yeah. Rachel Maddow for that. Right? Agreed, but I, but I do think that they feel left out. Yeah. They feel like well, what's what? No, what? No, of course. And then it's it's what do right. you? That's so, my that's my guttural reaction. But right. Let's, and let's it's have a, an it's intelligent a, conversation. It's a about feeble it. excuse. It's yeah. a feeble excuse. It's also like, so you feel bad for yourself, so you're gonna join a racist 
right. regime, basically. And I, the reason I had that guttural reaction, that wasn't for you. No. That was like a reaction Holly, I, I get from, that on. From, from racist trolls who mm -hmm. will try that excuse out on me. Yeah. You know? Oh, that I have to. I would, but... If, uh, no, they... people tell me all the time, Kweli, you're creating Nazis. You're creating racists right. by standing up to racism. Yeah. You know? Um, but here's something that's interesting that ties into what we're talking yeah. about. When I was on tour with Macklemore in yeah. 2012, which is a whole shitstorm of cultural strangeness yeah. at that point in his career and mine. Did um, you uh, think about, did you, was it, did, was it a difficult consideration to go uh, on the road? Oh no, it was wonderful. He's, his camp is wonderful. Oh, of course. Yeah, wonderful. I believe I, that. I, I jumped at the opportunity. Okay, great. It was me and Big Crit. Great. You know, Macklemore is somebody who really loves hip hop. And when he had a star moment, he said, I'm going to bring Talib Kweli and Big Crit and show my audience what I listen to. And I, right. I, I love him forever for, for that. Um, but he, I guess the, the owner of the Texans' daughter was a huge fan. Gave him and Ryan Lewis some tickets to the, to the game, a Thanksgiving game. We were in Houston. I had never been to a football game. I'm not a football yeah, fan or guy. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm in Texas. They yeah. love football. I should check this out. We have, yeah. we have, we have tickets and we have the, we're going to be in the owner's box. We go to the owner's box and we walk in and they're expecting to see McLemore and Ryan Lewis. And they say, me and my ragtag crew of road pirates. Yeah. <laughs> and I was not who they were expecting to see. Yeah. And the vibe in the owner's booth was very awkward. Yeah. And so we just, we left quickly and we just walked around the stadium. And I took, after the game, I met some of the players, I took pictures on the field. It was fantastic, it was yeah. exciting. But I didn't enjoy like the footballness of it. There was like some uh, like black you guy. You like the human sacrifice part? No, I didn't like that. <laughs> I, there was a black guy wearing a Texans. This really annoyed me more than it should have. He's wearing a Texans jersey, tucked, tucked in, in. Oh my god! Tucked into his jeans with his belt buckled. No. I mean that really annoyed me beyond. It should. And he's like pointing at the crowd from this big huge screen, like, "Are you ready for some football?" And it just, I was like, "Oh, this is just smarmy." Um, but I say all that to say that. I'm not a football fan, and I jumped at the opportunity to experience going to a football game in Texas and being in an owner's box just because I wanted to see what that would be like. Yeah. Now we have Ellen, who is like the voice of a nation, right? And yeah. you work with Ellen. Yes. And she and her, her and Portia, her lady, are invited by the daughter of uh, Jerry Jones, is that his name? Yeah. To go to the Cowboys. Cowboys is like an institution, yep. right? So I'm about to wade into something controversial here, mm -hmm. right? Being that I was in a similar situation yep. as Ellen, yeah, and my politics align with Ellen yep. on several things, I could see myself w wandering into the owner's box and being seated next to someone I just do not agree with politically. Yeah, right. Now, if I showed up for at, all that for free popcorn, free, <laughs> right? <laughs> if I showed up maybe at a the, beer that that situation, that Texans game, yeah, and George Bush was sitting there, yep, I'd leave, but I'm not Ellen. I'm not like, I'm not like the voice of a nation right. on daytime oh, yeah. television. Yeah, it's like I'm talking about well, you know black underground to, You know what's similar to, uh, Bop and John's brother yeah, yeah. hugging the woman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was. They made the conversation uh, about black forgiveness. Uh, yeah. Instead of about what she did. Yeah, and it's it's the and I talk about this on my podcast. How Neil feel? Um, that it, it's the it's the expectation of of black mercy and black dignity and black mm -hmm. um it's uh, there's uh, i watched it i watched it and i was like oh the christianity really fucking worked on black people right and that's a, a lot of black people in the it's south they vote republican 
solely because Republicans present themselves as the party as, of Christianity. Yeah. yeah, and it just feels like, oh, they got they got duped. They just got the they they they're mm-hmm. in their it's fealty to white people. It's not and they, it's held up as Jesus, but it's That's like right. no, it's just about white white control and have, have mercy on a on a shitty person mm-hmm. again. I th- uh I'm 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 uh I'm kind of overstating, but you know what I mean. Like, I, I, as a black person, you must be like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> and watching. That's exactly it. what I did. I've as a black person. To, like, <laughs> I feel like in both uh, situations with Ellen and the brother, it's kind of different or whatever, but still the same because in both situations, we wanted Ellen to be captain of the gays, and we wanted uh, uh, Dude's brother to be captain of the blacks. As captain of the blacks. Under no circumstances. I'm Captain of the Blacks, by the way. Oh, I thought it was Jay Z. I'm sorry, Tyler. <laughs> uh, as Captain of the Blacks, there's no way that it's acceptable for you to hug this woman that just killed your brother, especially when more times than not, police officers don't get any time at all when you know it comes to committing their crimes. And everybody put that weight on him instead of just letting him grieve the way he wanted to grieve. Do I? Would I have hugged? The lady? No. Do I agree with hugging the lady? No. But that's how he wanted to grieve, so you have to let it's him also, do it. That's with similar Ellen, to the Ellen yeah, with, it's, with Ellen, it's the same thing. It's like, because she's gay and because, like, you know, she's supposed to stand for Democrats or, like, captain right. of the gay. She just, in her, in, her, in her explanation, she describes herself as a gay Hollywood liberal. Yeah, yeah. but she didn't, she, in that, in that instance, she just wanted to enjoy the game. She didn't right. want to have to be an activist or stand up and, and t- make a, and take a stand. Well, that, yeah, it's, well, we that's have, another thing which is funny. Like, do you, why? always have to be my identity some people say yes and that's the that's the uh, criticism the criticism is that that i've seen that i've been paying attention yeah. to um and i'm sensitive to it that the celebrities enable people like george bush who people are like he's an imperialist he's a war criminal yeah people who genuinely genuinely feel this way and um they feel like ellen in that moment should have represented what she what her, what her political identity is Ellen felt like in that moment she didn't have to. Mm-hmm. To me, to me, the, it's, a very, it's a very fine line. Um, if I was Ellen and I'm not, Ellen is a whole different type of entertainer than I am. Yep. If I were Ellen and I was in that situation, I probably would. You probably, you might have seen a shot of me, like maybe Tell having a polite off. conversation. <laughs> I would not have done the selfie. Yeah. The selfie, I think, to me, that's where I take issue with her. At, that's I didn't, I didn't like the self. That's too far. That was too far for me personally. Yeah. But that's that I do also feel like that's her decision to make in that situation. Well, it's also the assumption that any of us know what uh, Botham John's brother should do, mm-hmm. or the judge should do, mm-hmm. or the or Ellen should do. I don't know. I don't. The judge, know. I feel like it's pretty clear. I feel like the judge. That's not your definitely job. overstepped bounds. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I she, I, she had her explanation. I didn't click right. on it, but it I, I'm, I'm betting it was I'm because I'm brainwashed by Christianity. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, the, I don't know. I don't. I don't presume to know what the best thing. What everyone, thanks to these devices, we're all you know judge and jury, and mm-hmm. and we get to decide. I know what the punishment should be, and I know, and I know. I don't know. I don't know. It's the thing of of the argument like Christianity caused more wars than any. Right. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It also prevented people from cheating on their wife. It just it like it mm-hmm. does. It works both ways. Yeah. So I, th- I don't know what Ellen should have done. Uh, I don't know what 
what the homeboy should. I, I just don't know what they. For me, I think the metric is the people who complain about it. I'm only going to take your complaint seriously if, you do something. if I know that you're doing work. If I yeah. know that you're doing activist work, if your activist work is Ellen shouldn't have took a selfie with George Bush, of course not. Then you need but to you shut know the fuck that up. that's what most people's yeah. activist work. Yeah, yeah. It's like that SNL skit with Louis about Scott. You know, like the guy like who's on Facebook, like I hashtag Black Lives Matter, like I'm saving lives. Thank yeah. you, Scott. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of um, SNL. Yeah. Dave Chappelle calls you an SNL historian. Yes. I grew up watching SNL Saturday Night Live with Same. my father. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the golden era of Saturday Night Live. And then beyond watching it with my father, I read the books, I read the, the, yep. the tell-alls, I went back and did my research, I've seen every season, you know. I've, I, must, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I love Saturday Night Live. Have you gone? I've never seen the show. Would you like to? I would, yeah, I would. Dave, Talib, next time plug? you're in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Talib is my giant check here. Talib, <laughs> on behalf of, uh, no, but if you wanna go, mm -hmm. like, you don't know Keenan? I know Keenan. To say hi to him, but I've like, never. I I know I know I know Keenan. I know I, I, Chris Red. Well, I was about everybody. Yeah. Everybody I knew left. <laughs> yeah, you knew I'm Leslie. Leslie Pete. Yeah. Um, but Dave. Um, when when Lauren and Dave got together for Dave to do the yeah. thing, and you worked on that a little bit as yeah. well. Um, uh, when, no, I worked on that a fucking lot. But okay. Go ahead. When we when I'm I got the pleasure of going with Dave to Lauren's house. On the on Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. Chris. That was fantastic. For yeah. Me. Like I called my father and. Fan, oh, that's great. Fanboyed out like, yeah. I'm with Lorne Michaels right now. Yeah, it's Dr. Crazy. Evil. He talks just like Dr. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> uh, that I, why don't want well, you should go? The, I should. Fun, the funny thing is, it's so much more impressive in person. It's like in person, it's so, it's a real show. Mm -hmm. It's like a real Broadway. Yeah. It's the difference. And it's live. Live music and and recorded music, like. In person, you can feel the bass and you can feel the nerves and you can, mm -hmm. it's a, I wrote the first week, I wrote last, whatever, last week mm -hmm. for the, I wrote the, uh, the, the Democratic. The Maya, uh, Maya Yeah, Maya, yeah, yeah. That um, was great. The, yeah, the Kamala Harris, she was doing the lips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was like, Maya's so funny. You yeah. remember everything. You can quote anything. Like No, that shit, that fucking Woody Harrelson is Joe Biden. He's, he's like a. He's like, I'm like plastic straws. Yeah. We wrote that joke at like 11.20. That was my favorite joke of the That was a great joke, yeah. That, yeah. Was the, that was a great joke. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. Sudi Green wrote it. How many writer's rooms have you been in at this point? I don't, the th I, not very many. Like, I don't, I'll just go if I like the person and it seems like fun mm -hmm. at this point. Like, mm -hmm. I was talking, Dave's doing the Kennedy Center thing, so. Yeah. I'm gonna go to so, Dave. Yeah, so I talked to the producers today. Shout out to Dave Chappelle. Shout out to Dave Chappelle. Dave. Winning the um, uh, Mark Twain winning Award. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, the, uh, so I was talking to them today and they were like, talk about, you know, you'll come out and talk about how much fun the show was. I was like, the show wasn't fun at all. <laughs> wasn't fun to do at all. It right. was hard. Right. Uh, so since then, and I was like, and that's evidenced by the overwhelming amount of television me and Dave have done since. Which is we did we did 25 hours in two years and then we've eked out like 10 hours in the 15 years since, right? Uh, just because it's too hard. Mm -hmm. um, so I just do people that I'm friends with, mm -hmm. or people that I like. Ellen, I didn't really know, and she saw three mics and we be, we hit it off. Okay, and, that was a so great I, special. Too. Yeah, thank you. So like I worked with, 
It's people I like. I don't want to be spend time with The Rock or Dave mm -hmm. or Seth Meyers or Trevor or like people mm -hmm. that I have existing relationships with. Then I will. Right. Then, but otherwise, I'm not. And for the audience at home, he has worked with Chris Rock and Michelle Wolf and oh, yeah, Amy Wolf. Schumer yeah. and yeah. you know all these great comedians that are all sort of like a uh, a collective. They spend time together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't call it a collective because. It's we all hang out. A lot of them hang out at the comedy cellar. That's what it is. Everyone yeah. has the cellar is the yeah. Everyone's like the, the moth the, to the flame. Yeah, like oh, yeah. that's the so. But Ellen's never like. There's certain people that are never. Seinfeld's really never there. I haven't right. worked. But I, I was talking about like 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 Rock Michelle. Yeah, Schumer, Rock Michelle, Dave Schumer. Dave. Yeah, yeah. Um, I read that after Chappelle show ended mm -hmm. and it ended abruptly. Mm -hmm. Um, that you sort of forced yourself to get into stand-up. Yeah. And you were actually at a point where you were signing up for open mics. Kind of. I mean, I, it wasn't exactly signing up. They would let me go on. Yeah, you didn't have to sign up. Um, <laughs> like, I had to sign up. I would right, hire, he's like, I'm here, put me I up. Is, I would hire a poor person to sign in for me. <laughs> oh. um, the, uh, no, but I was doing like shitty rooms and emceeing at the Laugh Factory and like I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't stuck up about it because it wasn't, I didn't have any, I don't, it's, I don't assume like, well, mm -hmm. please. And I also didn't want to have a reputation for being like, do you know who I am? Right. Because uh, it's not good long term. That's like it's not a, it's not good in comedy to be known as like a, that guy. Uh, yeah, like, please, I'll be going next. <laughs> um, What's your uh, favorite shitty room out here in LA? I do a room, it's not shitty, but every Tuesday night in Santa Monica at the Westside Comedy Theater, that's, I just do new jokes every mm -hmm. Tuesday, and it's like, it really helps mm -hmm. write, because I, if I didn't have to, like, I have to do new material, mm -hmm. and uh, if I don't, I'm embarrassed. So mm -hmm. that's, and then the Comedy Store, Comedy Store's not, sh none of them are shitty, um, but the Comedy Store's like difficult, like the, it's like a, it's like the level of difficulty is incredibly high. For all levels. Yeah, because it's not, it really is all levels. Like, She's doing Roast Battle Comedy Store tonight, right? I actually am not, but I do do Roast Battle, and I will be doing it in a couple of weeks, but I just wanted you to come tonight. Okay. But, oh, yeah. You might go. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's like Louie gets nervous, mm -hmm. Rock gets nervous. It's, it's you, they, the way the room's set up, it's so dark. Mm -hmm. that the mm -hmm. audience has no inhibitions. They're not cordial. They're not like, well, we'll start warm. And then we'll, they're like, mm -hmm. no, fuck you. But then it's like a marathon in that room. It's like, you know, you'll get a, a Chris Rock or, or somebody yeah. like that show up. But even, even with them showing up, there's a marathon of very good season mm -hmm. yeah. comedians yeah. or one right after the other. Well, yeah, and then not, the host has got to be funny too. Yeah. Like no, there is no a, host, which makes it hard okay. because you, you no one resets the room. Okay. So a guy will go just do crowd work for 15 minutes. There's a guy named Rick Ingram who does crowd work and fucking murders. Mm -hmm. And then you have to go and be a dork and be like, so I went to the bank. Because <laughs> you're not talking about right. their sh the, the specifics right. of the people in front of you. Right. Uh, it's a very, very difficult room. And it took me a long time to get past there. After mm. like, I wasn't, I didn't have like a glide path. It wasn't mm. like, please, right this way. And it no was one. like people were like kind of against me uh, because it's like you think you're set. Right. And then black people kind of thought I was racist because 
it seemed racist. <laughs> That's I like the that way answer. the show ended. Seemed racist. Um, you're one of the wasn't. rare comedians, yeah. and there's you know there's there's George Carlin, there's yeah. there's Bill Burr, yeah. There's certain guys who will who will do jokes about black people, mm -hmm. and the reason I say that they're brave is because you're not going to land all of them, mm. and you know like like you're gonna you're you're a very very intelligent, fantastic comedian. You're gonna you're you you. I don't, I'm not going to say you don't go out your way, but you don't shy away from doing jokes about race and jokes about black people. And like sometimes they're going to sting and hit in a way that someone's going to be like, that's racist. I, somebody said, when, a black comic said one time, they're like, I love watching you do black rooms because mm -hmm. when you go on, they fucking hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, if you knew, the whatever, like if you knew who I actually, if they knew who I actually was, they wouldn't hate me at all. Oh but, no. But like, if you assume that Chappelle show re ended on some racist shit, uh, then who else are you gonna hold responsible? Do people you know what I mean? sometimes treat you like you're the guy who yeah. was yes. fighting with Dave? Yes, mm -hmm. uh, and because the bigger issue was, and you know this is, uh, you've had a charismatic partner in the past. Mm -hmm. um, a couple. Can't, people can't believe that you would be mad at him mm -hmm. or you would disagree with him mm -hmm. or you would fight with him mm -hmm. and it's like uh that's actually proof of not racism that i can openly oh, fucking yeah. fight with uh, my friend and like i it's easy for me to say race has nothing to do with it but i i would venture to say it has very little it has as little as it possibly could i'll say mm -hmm. that um and but people don't like the mm -hmm. people don't like Someone that they really like, mm -hmm. uh, you, they don't like you disagreeing with them. Yeah, I think with the, regardless of how you feel about how race could have as little to do with it as possible, because what I know about you and Dave is that you guys truly love each other. Yeah. You know, it's a real love there. Yeah. Um, and you guys worked on it together. Um, yeah. I heard you on Joe Rogan. Yeah. And you talked about, regardless of how you see Dave. Right. The perception around from from uh, comedians to studio executives is different. P yeah. Studio executive is going to assume you do all the writing. Re yeah, you know, com yeah. Uh, com uh, uh, co you said comedian is going to assume he does all the writing, yeah. right? So and we knew that literally when we were writing. But that's a race Bay. thing, right? So it's like yeah. that's the race always matters, even when it doesn't. Yes, and in that case, it's I'm paying a price. Mm -hmm. We're both paying a price in that regard. Mm -hmm. He gets the assumption is the white guy did all the, the, the studio execs assume the white guy did all the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, 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 it's usually, so Neil, you're the structure guy? Yup, and then jokes come and I don't know what mm -hmm. the fuck's going on. Like, no, I, we both do both. It assumes mm -hmm. that Dave can't do structure and I can't do jokes. Right. Which mm -hmm. is right there is right. racist toward both of us. Right. In, in terms of who pays a bigger price between, reputationally, I, I think that's a push to me. You might disagree, like, well, he wasn't getting studio opportunities. He was getting studio opportunities, and mm -hmm. I do get comedy opportunities. But right. it's the reason we never say who wrote what is because of that. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. we knew that I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want him to look bad. Uh, he, don't, I don't want him to look bad, and he doesn't mm -hmm. want me to look bad. Do you know I what I mean? I didn't like uh, aspects of that Rogan interview. 
because uh-huh. I felt like you were, you know, you and Dave, I think, are from what I got from it and from what I get, and you and Dave are, are, are good friends to this day. I've, yeah. I've hung out with you guys together yeah. uh, fairly recently. Yeah. Um, but there's still things about that situation that are raw for y'all. Yeah. Things that you and him are just going to disagree with, about. Yeah. And that because it's such a big, huge show, it's going to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like with all due respect to Joe Rogan and for yeah. who he is and what he's built, and what he represents, I feel like he was trying to push you to be negative about Dave. And I feel like in that space, you were working hard to not fall for yeah, that trap. It just doesn't, it does, there is the, th- the funny thing is with all of that now that everyone's a broadcaster, mm-hmm. you have to decide what am I going to hit you on? Mm-hmm. What am I going to, what's the standard? Uh, thing that I could get hits clicks with mm-hmm. about you, and then do I wanna, do I wanna explore? Do I wanna? It's not even. Expo- I don't even consider Joe explain. It's like he. I've known him forever too. Right, like, he's I don't, been around. Forever. And he's just trying to get like to the bottom. I don't know. I didn't right. describe any negative. Well, he does. I do. I do think that as a comedian who's in y'all circle, yeah, he has a genuine personal invested interest in that yeah. story more yeah. than the average person. Yeah. So that's what I was attributing to. Yeah. Like at the point where I feel like, oh, that, that was kind of dickish. Um, I was yeah. like, no, he's just really personally involved. He knows yeah. you guys personally. He's yeah. a comedian. You know, it's not just clicks for his blog at that point. It's yeah. also, I really want to know. Um, yeah. But I do, I do feel like he was, I feel like he wasn't creating a space for you to develop, to, to just tell your story. Yeah, you know? it, it's also hard because it's, it's like, it's like private you know what I mean it's like pri- like I do want people to know stuff but at the same time it's like it's private and it's it's public and private the the thing that the the thing that bugs me more is like people getting mad at me for having a falling out with Dave for a while mm-hmm. and it's like motherfucker you don't know you, what do you care mm-hmm. like right. what do you enough fuck to do with it like right. we were we would walk around for like we walked around for years. From 92 to 94, we literally just walked around New York. Like, mm-hmm. like it's a guy I know so well that it's beyond, it's like laughable how well I know. Do you ever, uh, because you guys are a duo, you're looked, at, you're looked at as like the same person sometimes in a lot of conversations. And I know you do interviews. And More me than ask him, you, meaning like... No one. He doesn't get asked about me in every interview. Well, that's well, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Do you ever get frustrated that you know when you're doing these interviews that they always attach you to Dave? Do you want to like? No, because it's own? this. This shit's good. Like they, yeah. you know what I mean. No matter like, what, it's, yeah, he's it's still like, like I don't. He's still the Mark Twain Award winner. Yeah, like yeah. this shit's good. So I don't, and it is a huge part of my life and career. So I don't. I'm not. I would say it's like when an actor goes, no, call. He's known as Billy, and then he goes, call me William. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go like that. I won't speak about that hugely popular thing I did for mm-hmm. a couple of years that had a spectacularly explosive ending. Right. Like, it's interesting from, it's interesting, it's, it was interesting from my point of view, but it's also interesting from the outside, uh, from the outside, it must have mm-hmm. been riveting. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, back to three mics. Yes. Another. You don't have to go back. No, three I want I'm, to. Okay. Because I, this is I, I want to get right. to this question. Yeah. Not question, but I just want to give you props on this. When you said that, uh, and, and and forgive me for like giving my my interpretation of jokes that they should just go watch your Netflix special. No, that's fine. You know, but um, but you said that uh, if you were a black guy, 
uh, you would be talking about slavery all the time. Constantly. <laughs> Dive Think into about that. how much white people bring up their parents. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? And right. that's just random white people. Parents. Parents. I don't have Found that, that hilarious. Right. No, I know. But like <laughs> my dad was a little distant. It's like, imagine if you're, imagine if you were a slave, mm -hmm. not literally you, but imagine it, the trying to explain like the uh, psychic, the word trauma is so overused, but uh, the, the massive impact that slavery had mm -hmm. on the lives of black people in America, it's, it, it's, it's, you, you, it's, they don't have the instrument to even measure how, how massive it is. It's right. so complete. And as a, I feel, it, as a white person saying that, I feel fucked up saying that. Like, you guys are, uh, let me tell you about your life. But like, it's so true. Mm -hmm. And I don't think most white people can think about it mm -hmm. or realize it. Yeah, I, I, I say that the, no, no white person living today is responsible for Thank slavery. You. Say no more. <laughs> but you know Thank what? You. Let, me finish, let me finish. Let me finish. No white person living today is responsible, but every single white person benefits mm -hmm. from slavery, yeah. whether you're responsible or not. So it's not whether I'm not blaming you for it, but you still have to accept responsibility because you benefit from it. Every black person, no black person in America. Well, not no black person. Most black people in America are not slaves, mm -hmm. right. but every single black person in America bears the scars of slavery. Oh yeah. And so this country was built on that. Like America's built, it's, it's woven into the fabric of everything we do. The yeah. top one percent is ninety-six percent white on purpose. Yeah. And so these these things cannot be ignored when we have these conversations. About Even the funny thing is, you say on purpose, and I'm I'm sure like defensive white people. I got to say, my my first thing is saying, I'm purpose, and then you go, of course I'm purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Like, not, yes, like absolutely. Insidious, I'm like, yes, redlining. Planned out. Yes. Like, like fuck these black people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, on purpose. It's so uh, crazy that you said, you know, specifically, I don't want to tell you guys about, you know, your past yeah. or whatever, but when I was doing the historical roast, I was standing in for Harriet Tubman, and it was this white girl who was also a stand-in, and she goes, oh my God, do you know who Harriet Tubman is? She freed the slaves through the Underground Railroad. Oh wow, I would have loved so to woke. be in her shoes. And I was like, <laughs> stop talking to me. Like, First of all, she you... didn't have shoes. <laughs> First of all. Second of all, like, what do you mean? You? I said, you want to be a slave? Like, is that what you literally just said to a black person who's standing in for Harriet Tubman right yeah, now? Yeah, like... there's not a ton of, uh, and it also feels bad it just, it's just, yeah, mm -hmm. it just feels, it's like, as I, I was talking to somebody about, I'll get, I'll hear a podcast, right, mm -hmm. that's like, like the 1619 podcast, mm -hmm. the New York Times Slave podcast, mm -hmm. right, um, and I'm like, should I send this to, it's like, a, okay, you know that uh, uh, the famous lynching photo from Indiana? Mm -hmm. There was a third person, a third black person who they let go. Mm -hmm. There's a radio interview with them. Mm. It was on this podcast called Radio Diaries. Okay. So I hear it. It's, it's riveting, but it's also, it's the banality of evil thing where mm -hmm. it's so common that it's, they're all just talking. They mm -hmm. interview the white people. They interview him. They, everyone's just like, yeah, and then we've gotten some rope. And you're like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So I, I have it, and I'm like, should I send this to Dave and Rock and Charlemagne and guys I'm actually friends with? Mm -hmm. 
or do I let it go? <laughs> do I just like let them go? Right. Let them have a good day? Mm-hmm. Or do I, it is interesting and it, they would benefit from hearing it. And it, but is it a bummer to, to uh, be reminded? Did you see Bill Burr's latest thing? Yeah. This mm-hmm. part where he talks about watching Elvis with his wife. Uh-huh. He's never quite waded into the race thing in that way yeah. before. Yeah. Um, I thought that was very interesting for him because I, I, I'm hearing bits of, of that and what you're saying. Yeah. When he's talking about, he's like, I'm, I'm hearing my wife huff and puff, and I'm like, I must, my whiteness must have blinded me to some racism <laughs> I didn't see. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't, and it wasn't even, it's more about, it's like when in the, like where there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot in the eighties. There were a lot of white songs about heroic black people, mm-hmm. like U two had the song and Biko and all that. And right. like, is that there's Her- some hurricane? Yeah, hurricane. exactly. Hurricane. Well, like that, that's what they were talking. There's like a genre mm-hmm. of of that where it's like, is there a level of condescension as the white person? I don't know. It's like, is it condescending to bring up? Is it, um, is it a show of like? Compassion is it I a think show it's of a, heroism. I think is it's it... a. For, I think it's got to be like a consistency, consistency thing. Like if you're the type of guy that forwards links to people, I am. Yeah, then yeah. Then it's perfectly within your wheelhouse to be yeah. doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you're just doing it to get like woke points, mm-hmm. oh no, I wasn't about woke. Yeah. It's not about woke points. Right. It's literally like this interview is fucking. Yeah, but crazy. if you're that guy, mm-hmm. then yeah, yeah, yeah you, you 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 have a duty to share that information. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> it got serious. A duty. <laughs> so. uh your special uh, talked about mental health and depression, yeah. and you really had to like kind of leave a piece of yourself on stage. Where you, did you feel like that was like you refining yourself as an artist, or how do you? How did that you... was more just about? Uh, <laughs> I was almost explaining my personality to people. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm sure it took you a while to even like to, like 15 years ago, like tuning in, like. Dave's friend's kind of weird. Yeah. And then slowly you tune into my frequency and you're right. like, oh, he's funny. And right. I got I got stuff like that too with yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah. So like it was more about explaining like, here's why I'm weird. Right. Like I seem cold and bored and mm-hmm. superior. I'm. It's just my face won't mm. do what I need it to do. You see what you just said about white parents? Yeah. So you talked about your parents. Yeah. And your father in particular. Yeah. And I mean, your special... It had me like belly laughing right. at some points, like balled over on the floor laughing. And then that part where you're talking about your father, I was brought to tears. Oh, great. And I am, um, it was just like, part of it, part of the reason why I was brought to tears is because I don't relate to that experience at all. Yeah. I have, I'm, I mean, I'm incredibly blessed yeah. with my parents, you know? And so it's like, even in the hip hop space, Eminem has the contentious relationship with his mom that he raps about. It was hard for me to get into Eminem's early music because I'm like, you're killing your baby mom. You're, you hate yeah. your mother. I don't, I can't, I don't relate yeah. to any of that. Yeah. But a lot of white kids with those issues and that angst relate beyond him being a white rapper related to those things. Yeah. Obviously in the black community. There well, were you those... saw Drake today. There was a story where his dad said that they talk all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said and it he to does sell it music. for records. He right. does it to sell records. Drake right. literally said like that. It sells records. Right. But I mean, obviously, we have these pathologies in the black community. Yeah. Obviously, there's there's fathers missing from home. There's abusive parenting. Obviously, but in terms of the way that it's talked about, it's like your joke. You said black guys are not allowed to be sad and yeah. gotta be with a saxophone, right? Yeah. So it's like where 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 you're saying things on stage that are that are just like you're talking about your father 
struggling with figuring out how to love his children yeah. and treating you differently than your siblings. Right. And and the keep the gut punch part is talking about the will. Yeah. And and your father going out his way to make you feel like you're not in this will. Yeah. Um that No, had, he, he literally he didn't make me feel. He wrote me <laughs> he out. He wrote you out of it. Neil gets nothing. Yeah. That had to be painful. And comedians often are talk about comedy coming from a place of pain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but you said in the at, at the end of the the dialogue, you said, I got I didn't get put in the will, but I got the truth. Yeah, that was more I mean it's so yeah. it sounds trite, but it's like that was more it was valuable. Dope. Yeah, thank you. It um, was more valuable I don't my, I mean thankfully uh, I'm 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 I make a decent living, so mm-hmm. it it wasn't so much about I need the money. It was mm-hmm. just more about like it was just petty. Mm-hmm. It was just like a one final pet move of pettiness. Mm-hmm. That that was the like I said in the thing like handing out like blankets. I would have just mm-hmm. wanted. It's yeah, I want a t-shirt. At fucking with a t-shirt gun. Right, but do you feel liberated by that pain? I will say this. I I think about it so little now mm-hmm. and I used to be really consumed with anger toward it mm. and now I now it I get I maybe it like I exercised it so to speak like mm. it, I, it I, I processed it I it, there's the I think there's a uh, the effect of therapy can be overstated but like I process my grief or I process or the idea of closure I heard somebody one time say like there's no such thing as closure mm. like you just you figure it's a you journey, figure it out yeah right? so in that regard, it was very helpful mm-hmm. in that I don't think about it. And the amount of positive positive reinforcement I got because of it. But it it helped a lot of people. Like, a lot of people related to it. You talked about people coming up to you and talking Constantly. to you about their issues with depression. Every day I get Instagram messages. Yeah, that's beautiful, that's man. Awesome. My song, Goodbye, is my signature song. And um, when I wrote it, I wrote it, you know, just... I, it's, my default is social justice and talking about the human condition. And so that's just, sometimes I take it for granted. And then I perform over 200 times a year. Right. So the song becomes muscle memory. I'm just saying the words yeah. and I'm just trying to be funky and fly yeah. on stage. And then someone comes up to me and says, man, when I was, I would have killed myself when I was trying to get sober if it wasn't for that song. Yeah, and you're like, what? Yeah, and the song I was is, trying to be funky and fly. Right, right. exactly. And the song yeah. is literally saying, I'm trying to stop smoking and stop drinking, but I've been thinking, I got yeah. my reasons yeah. mm-hmm. just, just to get by. Yeah. But people, me saying that, made people feel like, yeah, like it helped people get through. And, you know, I, with Common, um, I went to perform with Common in a prison last summer. And I performed this on a sort, the first verse is about the prison industrial complex, the, uh, the couple lines in there. And I've been saying these lines for, for, for years, saying those lines in front of those prisoners that I'm talking to them. Yeah. And You're for like, them, oh, wait, yes. this is about that. you guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it became more real for me. Yeah, so I suppose that special is like that for you. Yeah, uh, I have a get by story, which is that I completely forgot about, mm-hmm. which is me and Dave were went to visit you mm-hmm. when you were recording mm-hmm. that record, and um, Dave reminded me of this recently that we left, and I was like, that get by song was good. Right. So I'm working. <laughs> I'm working in A and R now, guys. <laughs> I uh, definitely when Kanye played me to get by beat, and I'm I'm actually writing a screenplay in my life. Great. So I'm going through these moments of and when I met Kanye, and I remember when he played me that beat, I was like, "That's it." Yeah. That's my that's my song. Yeah. That's that's that's. He was like, "Nah, Mariah Carey likes." I was like, "Fuck Mariah mm-hmm. Carey." Yeah. I love Mariah Carey, by the way. But it wouldn't have it wouldn't have hit the yeah. same. 
But I was like, you cannot give that to Mariah Carey. Yeah. That's my beat. Yeah. I mean, and also you want to talk about uh, a guy, it's playing the role. Like, who does he need to be? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, his he's whatever. So, yeah, like, it's a cartoon at this point. But, mm-hmm. but... Uh, the 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 Ellen thing or the who did what does he does he have to be does he have to be a black person does he have to be a this does he have to be does he wants to be he doesn't want to have to be any of that shit I and I, it, I, to agree, the, to, I agree that's what he's trying to do no I think uh, he's yes, failing at it of course but I think that's, I, I, yes. I agree that's what he's my trying my argument to do. is that he thinks it's punk rock yeah to like. Republican shit to like the establishment, yeah, <laughs> right, and thinks it's like cool and punk rock and yeah. it's so nihilistic and all this. Stuff. I also it's think like, it's. Th- I also think I have a theory that Obama got caught in a hot mic calling Kanye a jackass, and yeah. Charlemagne interviewed Kanye, and yeah. uh, Kanye said in the Charlemagne interview, um, Obama didn't like me. Trump yeah. likes me, or oh yeah, something to that and effect. Both no, it's, a, it's a, yes, it's a narcissistic injury. Yeah, it's, it's like it's Obama like hurt feeling, so they like me. Like, uh, I, there's a documentary that my man Cognito was working on back in the days. We're gonna finish it one day, but he films Kanye. It's me and it's, I was on a cover of Complex magazine with the Beastie Boys and Kanye. Yeah, I remember. That. And he's on, he's at that shoot, and he's filming Kanye, and he's like, he's asking Kanye, Kanye, why do you work with Mosef Kweli? He's like, Yo, they like me. Yeah, it's the same thing with Trump. Yeah. He likes me. Yeah, that's you know, that I want likes. Yeah. Yeah. And then why would you want to? And in and, and Kanye's defense, and obviously I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't appreciate the Trump relationship, whatever. But in life, they tell you like, why beat your head, beat yourself over the head, trying to get people to like you, or trying to be in spaces where you have to keep forcing and forcing. And it's like you should be, your your energy should be around people that like you, mm-hmm. and that yeah. understand you, or you feel understood. So yeah, and we, you. I'm sure see Kanye way more often than that, but I Kanye's a very good guy. Yeah, Kanye's a brilliant guy. He's a yeah. genius. He's a very a compassionate, warm yeah. individual. I absolutely disagree with his recent political leanings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do hold out hope for that he could turn this around, and we'll be laughing about this one day. Like, yo, remember when you was liking Trump? You yeah. was acting like an asshole back then. You yeah. Know, I, I, I don't. That, I have no doubt. I feels like it's comes. It seems like. You could have that now, and then you'll read a thing where it's like, oh, he's doing it again. You're like, all right. Yeah. It's also just mental illness, which no mm-hmm. one wanted to say. But mm-hmm. It's like, I remember arguing with Dave and Corey about they went to see one of his concerts, and I was like, I go, Kanye looks miserable. This mm-hmm. is probably four or five years ago, and they're like, no, nah, it was great. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. trust me. He's fucking That's when he was mid. ranting about Jay-Z and yes. Beyonce on stage. No, it was era. before that. It okay. was the tour with the mountains and he wore the mask and mm-hmm. it, he just looked mentally ill to me. Mm-hmm. And I and they were like, you were dead right. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm not going to call it out. But I don't think that his I don't think that his relationship with Trump and some of his views are due to mental illness. And I think that's like one of the things that he wanted to make apparent, like even though, you know, he is dealing with his stuff, like some things are just his views and that's just what it is. I don't think he knows enough. I think it is mental illness. I think it's also, you, you get called an underdog, and so you're like, well, I'm going to do the thing you said I shouldn't. It's just all this. Yeah. It's, he also it, lacks information. He's not yeah. politically educated at all. Yeah. Um, you, uh, speaking of mental stuff, mental mm-hmm. health, Yes. Um, and back to the, the depression stuff, in your special, you talk about all the different things you try. Yeah. And you, you talked about ketamine. Yeah. Uh, we had Lamar Odom on. Yeah. And he was like, when he walked in, before we sat down, he's like, yo, I want to talk about this ketamine wave. <laughs> trying to get it, trying to get y'all on this ketamine wave. I, 
I did not know people were doing ketamine until Lamar Odom said that to me. Yeah. And so I asked somebody, I was like, anybody, ketamine, who, you know, and somebody, I forgot who I asked, but somebody was like, yeah, that's what Neil Brennan be doing. I did it for a week. <laughs> I, when, when, I, when I didn't right. like it. Mm -hmm. It didn't work for you me. You said that in a special. Yeah. You said you didn't like it. I know people somehow think I did, though. It's mm -hmm. just one of those, like, telephone things where, like, the thing I liked was the TMS, the magnet mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I did not like ketamine. It just put me out. It wasn't enjoyable. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can't, I'm not, I'm not rocking with ketamine. Okay. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to put that out there. I've heard you praise journalism. Mm -hmm. and praise, you seem like a fan of journalism. I'm a huge fan of journalism. Especially like Frontline. And mm -hmm. I, I, believe in, I believe in legacy journalism. I believe in... ProPublica and front, like it needs to be mm. a part of society. Right. You said we have to agree on facts. You said in this interview that there is no Walter Cronkite. Yes, yeah, I agree. Whose responsibility is it to become that? The I, I don't the the thing with that generation, whether it's Walter Cronkite or Edward Murrow or whomever. That was a gener. They were. That was generationally who those people were, mm -hmm. and they. That was when journalism was like a public service. Mm -hmm. TV was new, mm -hmm. and so now, unfortunately, and I mean, and I say this, as being friends with people, unfortunately now it's Seth, Trevor, mm -hmm. John Oliver, uh, Stephen Colbert, mm -hmm. Sam B. Uh, Hassan, I mean, all these people have to, unfortunately, replace. They are the only honest brokers left. Everybody else is in the... And as fun as they are, they're sad. It's very sad. Mm -hmm. I, I tweeted this a couple weeks ago when, the, when they were blaming it on video games, the, one of the shootings. I was mm -hmm. like, I'm sick of looking to... Seth and Trevor and John, all these guys offer solace in a way that politicians don't even bother anymore. That's right. They just go, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts just and prayers. Give me, do hit them with thoughts and prayers. Mm -hmm. And so the unfortunately, it's those guys mm -hmm. and women. It, it's I and I really mean that unfortunately because they're because they're not moral. They're bad people. Get it? No, because they're just <laughs> uh, these. They're bad. Um, I've got texts from them. Uh, it just it shouldn't. But that's the thing about the rise of secular mm -hmm. society is right. is you don't. There is. No, I did a thing on the Daily Show a couple about a year ago where it's like Republicans need Jesus. They at least used to pretend <laughs> to believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. They don't even pretend anymore. Right. They believe and in it, Trump. Yeah. And they used to at least give, you know, even George W. Bush gave a billion dollars for AIDS relief. And right. you know what I mean? Like right. he did, they would every once in a while, they'd break off some Christian shit. Right. And now they don't even break bother. Break off some Christian shit. Real Christian yeah. Shit. Yeah. And they don't even bother anymore. And right. it's, it's a, it's a, it's not surprising because I don't think they ever really believed it anyway. But, mm -hmm. but, or they it was you know lunch counter, Catholicism right. or whatever Christianity where they they would certain things. Uh, okay, so like in this new era of comedy, uh, it's very hard to be funny because of you know race and like the cancel culture and everything like that. But I want to know like what do you think? What comedy styles you are boring that like need to be retired? Um, like, er, awkward. That's <laughs> fucking so boring. That was been boring to me for 10 years. Right. Um, no one, literally no one. And then whatever that mm -hmm. meme is fucking annoying. Uh, these are just ones that are popping in my head. Mm -hmm. 
Um, also, I want to dispel the myth that it's hard to be uh, funny now. I know more comedians doing theaters and arenas mm -hmm. than ever in the history of the earth. So it's a good time. It's a great time because mm -hmm. there's more focus and attention. Mm -hmm. And that honest broker thing where it's like you're, anyone on TV is full of shit. Right. And, and so you can get, you know, regular, you can have a, a human being still being human, mm -hmm. some, ver some version of human. Mm -hmm. uh, in public or in, in, in ways you can see it. So, okay. uh, yeah, I don't, I feel like that shit, the, the styles of humor kind of come and go, but I was never that impressed with like the, er, awkward, mm -hmm. like we improv that whole thing. Yeah, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> you should write it. Right. It was awkward. Yeah. Um, what is more valuable to you, candor or charisma? Uh... That's a tough one. I mean, I wish I had more charisma. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. um, I have a I have a, a surplus of of candor. <laughs> um, so uh, charisma is more valuable to the audience. Okay. I'll say that candor is more valuable to these streets. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil Brennan. It's the same walkout. <laughs>